read in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse, actually we're going to go to verse 1, and go all the way through the rest of the chapter. In those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that their widows were being overlooked in the daily distributions. The twelve summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, It would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal seemed good to the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. Now, Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from some members of the Freedmen's Freedmen's Synagogue, composed of both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia. And they began to argue with Stephen, but they were unable to stand up against his wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. Then they secretly persuaded some of the men, We heard him speaking blasphemous words against God and Moses. They stirred up the people, the elders, and the scribes. So they came, seized him, and took him to the Sanhedrin. They also presented false witnesses who said, This man never stopped speaking against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. And all who heard, I'm sorry, and all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at him. That his face was like the face of an angel. Lord Jesus, we come before your word. We come underneath your word to submit to you here this morning. God, teach us. Speak to us. Stir our hearts and our minds to grasp your word and your heart for your people. Lord, show us your desire for your church here this morning. For it's in Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. 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 So I've never really been comfortable with the phrase pastor out. I've never been, because you know, in the scripture it's not really ever a title. You never hear Paul say, hey, I'm Apostle, I'm the Apostle Paul. Or my name is Apostle Paul. Now he says, I am Paul, an apostle of you know, called according to Christ, but he never says it as a title. I've always kind of been uncomfortable with people calling me pastor. And so when people call me pastor, a lot of times I'll actually say, no, 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 excuse me. If you're going to call me pastor, it's Holy Most Reverend Pastor Adam. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Holy Most Reverend Master Pastor Adam. Oh, no, Master Pastor. Got in there, you know. Make sure that people know. Master Pastor. Master Pastor. Master Pastor. But, so turn in here. But did you know... That every minister, I'm sorry, every member is of the church is meant to be a, a minister. So what I want you to do, turn to your neighbor and, and shake their hand and say, hello, my name is Minister, fill your name. Wow. 
was able to free up those who are devoted to and were called to the vocation of, of prayer and the word when those people were, were set apart or were you know, empowered because all the other stuff was being taken care of by the rest of the church, by these deacons now, because remember that word, you know, it means diakonos, means to minister. So you, they raised up specific people for specific other tasks in the church. Specifically in this one for the distribution. The daily distribution means probably, you know, most likely of food. And when all these things were working and functioning together in harmony, when people were passionate about serving tables, when people were passionate about the word and prayer, when people were passionate about serving through their gifts and through what God had placed in their lives, what happened? The gospel spread. The word of God spread. The disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number. And a large group of even the priests came obedient to the faith. The apostles devote themselves to concentrate their pastoral priority on the word of God and delegate the social and logistical work to others. And the word of God spread. As John Stott would say, of course, of course it did. Of course it did. The word of God cannot spread when the word of God is neglected. When leaders devote themselves to the word, it spreads. Then, as a result, the number of disciples in fill-in-the-blank increases rapidly. This is a formula that God has had since the beginning. When, they, when the word of God spreads, they increase in number. All the way back to Israel. When they devoted themselves to the word of God, to living their, the ways of God, to sacrificing and, and Sabbathing and, and offering sacrifices and fellowshipping with one another in Jerusalem and celebrating together. Jerusalem and his, all of Israel flourished. They had God's blessing on their lives, on them as a nation. And when they turned against God, when they started to not do the things, and they started to see a breakdown of the socioeconomic way of being in God's people, the nation fell. And God took his hand of protection off and let their enemies come in and things did not go well for When they did not devote themselves to the word of God, God's people have always struggled under oppression. This is the first of six instances where Luke refers to the increase and spread of the gospel. This, this becomes Luke's theme throughout the entirety of the book of Acts. When God's people are faithful with the word, the word spreads, and God adds to the church those who are being saved. What we'll learn from Stephen here in a little bit is that when and where God is at work, neither man nor demons can stand in his way. So when we devote ourselves to the word of God, the church is unstoppable. But here's the, the reality check for all of us. Is that God does this. God wields his power. God wields his sword. God wields his, his magnificence and power through you. Amen. The church. 
And unless we, together, are devoted to the Word and to serving the church, to knowing Christ and Him crucified, and loving and serving one another, unless we are devoted to that together, and not just relying on the paid professional, right. unless we're doing that, then nothing's going to happen. But when we do, when we devote ourselves to daily being in the Word, to, and prayer, and loving, and serving, and spending as much time in fellowship, and breaking bread, and prayer together, devoting ourselves to one another, that's when God works most powerfully through His church. Don't do the community. It's like, I'm not holier than you. Amen. I'm not better or more powerful than you. As we see here. Because when we see what in this passage and kind of our passages recently, plus where we're going to get to with Stephen, because we just were introduced to Stephen and his arrest here, um, we're going to start kind of a few weeks in this, in this passage here. But we see three tactics of the enemy against the church. They one, he wants will suppress the church by force, oppression, persecution, death, destruction, arresting. Number two, he'll corrupt it by hypocrisy. Case in point, Ananias and Sapphira. They tried to corrupt the church. Holy Spirit was like, no, 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 I ain't having any of that. Divine shocking. Yes. And number three, to distract its leaders from preaching. Anybody wants to destroy the church? He doesn't have to persecute it. All he has to do is in introduce error or distraction to those who were supposed to be the ones who were the wheel wheelers of the word. And unfortunately, you know, the more I, the more I learn, unfortunately, that is becoming more and more the trend in America. The church has abandoned the word of God. They quote Buddha and and, and you know Vishnu and Hinduistic religions and all these other you know, traditions and, and paganism and call it wisdom. And, try, and they, rather than not, it's like, not to say that it's not wise or that there's not truth to it, but we have so much better truth than the Bible. It's like, why go to the turd in the, in the, the gutter when I've got a flaming gun at home? When I've got so much better, we don't have to be distracted by the lesser truths when we have the ultimate truth. What the enemy will do, ultimately, is expose it to and fill it with error and evil. Whether from without or from within. The church is starting to grow and flourish, but the enemy was quick at work to try to deteriorate what God was doing in the church. He didn't want it to get off the ground. Yeah, you ever, you ever seen like the, the shuttle launch of the, of the Challenger? Oh, yeah. Of the Challenger? Yeah, well, it was the one that When it was like... It was like, oh, yeah, it was tragic. It wasn't even like a fraction, uh, you know, in the distance for its mission. Right. It was uh, exploration. It was just, it was just a few thousand feet off the ground, and it exploded. That's what Satan was trying to do to the church. Mm. He was trying to explode it before before it ever got out of this atmosphere. He knows he can't stop it at this point, so he's trying to corrupt it. Trying to oppress it, trying to put it down. So now we see a great illustration in our passage here this morning. 
In both sections, we see we're introduced as to Stephen, a man full of faith, uh, here as one of the deacons, as one of the ministers. We'll talk, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk through more of the script you know, in the scripture of the long, of actually the scripture's longest sermon, because um, you know, Jesus says, you know, quote unquote, sermon on the mount wasn't a sermon. That's another conversation for another time. But this is the longest sermon we'll, we'll talk to in the coming weeks. The longest sermon in all of Scripture is, is preached by Deacon Stephen. Stephen the Deacon. Kind of rhymes. Kind of Stephen the awesome. Deacon. Stephen the Deacon. But here's the thing, because it was given by a, by a deacon disciple, not an apostle who was in charge of teaching the Word. But what are we told about Stephen here? I mean, several, both, both places we have a few descriptors. That he's full of what? Faith, the Holy Spirit. He's full of grace and power. Verse 8. What is it? And he's doing something amazing. He's performing great wonders, signs and wonders among all the people. People are like, wait, wait, I thought that was the 12th job. God's like, no, no. This is for everyone. This is just the beginning. Because, like I said, like last week, Remember, he's a deacon. This is the first time the Bible records signs and wonders being done by someone outside of the twelve apostles. This power is now available to all of God's ministers, to everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Because what does he say? About all the way going all the way back to the chapter chapter two, he says that you repent and believe the gospel, and you will receive. The gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit works signs and wonders among all the people. As we'll see, G uh, Stephen is living proof of Jesus' promise. This is a fulfillment right here. Boom! Amen. Fulfillment of Jesus' promise and prophetic word that, you know, like it says in Luke chapter 21, verses 11 through 16, that they would indeed be brought before councils. Same here. And synagogues, the synagogue of the freedmen. They were brought before these people. And but he, he says, no, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't like, try to study up and try to remember all these, you know, the, all these, you know, Jesus jukes and you know, Bible jukes and stuff like that. Because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. So I will give you the words to speak. And what happens? He preaches the longest sermon in the Bible. Prove right there that when you when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you know all long -winded. passions will be long-winded, right? <laughs> <laughs> I must be really spiritual. <laughs> Just kidding. I've still got eleven minutes, so we're good. Yes, sir. So the synagogue of the freedmen. Let's talk about them for a little bit. The synagogue branch. This was basically, basically kind of be like a denomination, if you will, for the early church. I'm sorry for the early synagogues here. So this is a people who were who used to be slaves, but gained their freedom. Oh. Or it was their descendants, like their mom or dad were, were slaves, and they became a part of the synagogue, and then their children were raised in that synagogue. That's free. So it's a synagogue, like a denomination, for those who have been slaves and were now free. So Saul, or Paul, was a part of this group. As you can see on your map there, in your, in your handout there, uh, if you didn't do the handout, there's handouts on the, the side table when you come in the door there. If you want to grab one. 
and more folders. If you need a folder to catch up, there's more folders like this. But so on the bottom of your page there, you'll see, so Cilicia and Alexandria were in Africa. They're on the Gulf of Mexico. There are a couple of port towns right there on- Mexico? Um, this oh. yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I really.
There's opposition that comes into our lives. There's struggle that enters into our lives. There's challenges and trials and tribulations. Now Peter's like, hey, consider it all joy. Like, Peter, it's kind you know. of Oh, wait, yeah, you do know. Like, it's hard. But these things happen in our lives. And here's the thing. Jesus never said they're not. Jesus never said that life was just going to be one big happy thing after you come to faith in Jesus. Jesus is going to make it all better. You're not going to have a hard life. You're not going to have challenges. You're not going to get sick. You're not going to die. You're not going to get injured. You're not going to go to jail. He didn't say that you weren't going to make stupid decisions either. No, he didn't. And ruin your own life. But what did he say? Consider it all joy when you face trials and times, but you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Maturity. Growing up. Endurance and power begins here. Amen. That's the whole purpose and the reason for the church. God could have said, hey, I'm going to come and bring the gospel and you're going to be saved, but you're just going to worship me from the comfort of your home. That's not going to work. In your PJs. <laughs> Sorry, you go on Facebook. <laughs> right. He never, said, he never said this was an individualistic, personal relationship with him. He said, this is an addition to my kingdom. He said, I'm adding to your number of those who are being saved. Adding what to the church? To the kingdom. I'm building my kingdom. So that you can be my kingdom. And bring my kingdom to this meeting world and to one another. Amen. And then build my kingdom. Build my church. And what? Are, and who said, who, who's going to build the church? Is the church going to build itself up through, through evangelism and outreach and other things like that? No. He said, I will build, this church. Will build my church. Not that we don't do those outreaches, not that we don't go out and evangelize. Run evangelists. God does that through us. Amen. But we have to remember the weight and the responsibility doesn't fall on us. As though if someone rejects the gospel, it's our fault. It's not. Because the number one reason, why, what is the number one reason why people don't share their faith? Fear. Fear of messing up. Yes. People are so afraid of misrepresenting Jesus that they're just like, I'm just not going to share the gospel at all because I might mess it up. I might make them hate the church more than they already do. Versus, what is it? Trusting that Jesus will give you the words. This right here is a prime example that Jesus is going to fulfill his promise. We don't have to worry about what we're going to say. We can't misrepresent Jesus. Because in those moments, he will give us the words. The only way that you can misrepresent Jesus Christ is the gospel that they're seeking. Outside of you sharing your faith in Jesus Christ. Which is just as important as the times where you're clearly you know, explaining your faith. Does what you're saying back up what you're doing? And saying, outside of this gospel conversation. Are you a person of integrity? Remember that, that word, integrity. Is character proven in obscurity? Wow. 
but as our character as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the same as when we're trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is our life as powerful as our message? That they may what? See your good works, your living, your walking, as it says, and glorify the Father in heaven. Having nothing evil to say about you. Endurance and power begins here. Well, how does it begin here? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ. When? Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of sin. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up, grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians so this is the passage, this is the chapter right before the great love chapter. Right. So here we go. Because all these things are empowered. We have the, the, the empowering of, of the church. Um, what does it say? The, the endurance and power of the church begins because of, it is all here because of the filling of and the presence of his Holy Spirit. Without his Holy Spirit, we have no endurance, no his power. Connection. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 12. Just, just listen here. Just let these words resonate in your mind. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is first. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. There's that word, building up the body, right? Ephesians 4. For the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing different between spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these things, distributing to each person as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. 
that the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the ear should say, oh, because I'm not a man, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the ear be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. That's you. That's us. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The other cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you either. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect. With our respectable parts, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all you prophets, are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And what is that way? Love. Because the very next chapter is 1 Corinthians 13. One of my the love chapter. Amen. And it's not talking about marriage no. or relationships. It's talking about the church. Love is patient and kind. <clears throat> Doesn't envy, boasts, not arrogant, right? All the things that love is, and it's, it, and it's not. Love is the greatest of all these things. And so, the whole purpose of the church is to build itself up in love to the fullness of Christ. Because every member is a minister to build up the body, to be, bring, and build the kingdom of God. God called all of his people to minister, to be ministers, every single one of you. Amen. He calls different people to different tasks. Those he calls to prayer and ministry of the word must by no means allow ourselves to be distracted by, by their prayer from our priorities. Ministry of the word and ministry of the tables, neither one is superior, both are vital. But here's the thing, Christian ministry can look, you know, can be pastoral, it can be social, political, medical, in all these areas of our, of our lives, government, media, professional, business, interest, in industry, the home. Ministry is not simply what we do, but how we do it. How we do what we do. How do you build houses? How do you serve people at Home Depot? How do you serve people at, at Target? 
How do you serve people at Albertsons or at Head Start or in the, 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 the child care industry? How do you serve and love God? How do you minister to the church and to those who need the church? Amen. Because what happens when the pastor overfunctions, when everything is laid here, all the operations of the church are laid here? I don't have time for studying in America. I'll take, I'll take, you know, I might be able to prepare my sermon on Sunday morning. And then I'll, that'll really go for like an hour. That's great. Because everyone's told, everyone's told me, like, when, you know, she's like, when you don't actually prepare, you preach for a long time because you're just kind of lost. <laughs> I just keep talking because I have verbal anxiety. So when I just keep talking, 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 rambling, 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 it's because I'm anxious. Obviously. <laughs> and that leads to, if I don't have time for studying and prayer and ministering to the church, that's my vocation, that's my calling, that's my identity, that's who I am. Amen. Because it's who God has called me to be. Amen. And Paul even said, woe to me if I don't. That's the feeling that I have. I'm like, I don't have time for who I am and what I'm supposed to do and who I'm supposed to be. I just like that one. It leads to burnout. And as we've seen among many in the church, pastor, I mean, like I said, before all, before COVID, it was like 1,400 pastors a month leave their churches, quit the pastorate, most of which never to return to the pastorate. Or they reap the burnout, or they suffer from moral failure. True. Mishandling finances. Unfair. Handling children. Handling children. Like, there are moral failures that happen when pastors are not doing what they're called to do. The rest of the church doesn't. When the, when the rest of the church does not. When, sorry. When we're over functioning, that means we're taking all of the responsibilities and the blessing of that which is supposed to be yours. Amen. That you guys, that the church, the rest of the church is not able to express their God-given roles, since the pastor and his family are doing everything themselves. So what happens, like here's the thing, what happens when pastors and the, and the rest of the churches grasp our God-given roles and fulfill our proper roles? Pastors are able to give themselves fully to the ministry of the word and prayer. Right. What happens when this happens? The word what? Flourishes. Flourishes. And increases. People are able to discover their gifts and develop ministries. You guys are able to develop ministries that you're gifted for and passionate about and giving your whole heart to. The church is then built up and empowered, full of faith, Holy Spirit, grace, power, the very thing that Stephen was empowered with. And we walk in great signs and wonders. When we all function properly in the church, much good fruit is produced. Because every member is a minister to build the body, to be, bring, and build the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your great calling on our lives. That you have built us here. You have brought us here to be your kingdom, to be your church, to be your presence in this world. 
to be the fulfillment of your kingdom coming and your will being done. So God, we pray that here this morning. We pray that your kingdom would, you you would build your kingdom, that your kingdom would come. That you would help us to be your kingdom and to bring your kingdom to this world and to build your kingdom. We pray that you would build your kingdom. Build your kingdom here, Lord God. Be with us, God, as we minister one to another. That your church will be built up in love. And that, God, that you would continue to perform great signs and wonders in our midst. That you would release us with full assurance of faith to walk and live by your Holy Spirit. Anoint us, God. Fill us. For it's in Jesus we pray all these things. Amen.